Amen. Hey, I want to welcome everybody watching online. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, I'm so glad that you decided to spend part of your week with us, and I hope you're having a great week. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about Psalms 86. Uh, now, Psalms is a great book in the Bible. It's a great book for you to read. It's, it's a very large book. Um, the chapters at the beginning of Psalms, you know, maybe 1 through 30, uh, 1 through 20, they can stay kind of short. Uh, some of the first, chapter 1, chapter 2, they can be really short, six verses long, and then it gets longer. Some of the longest ones are over a hundred verses long, but Psalms is a great book to read, a great uh, book to jump into. If you're looking for something to read maybe this summer, it's a great one to read. And we're going to look specifically at Psalms 86. We're not going to do the whole book. We don't have time to do the, the all the verses in it. We're just going to do part of those. And I want to give you a little history, a little backstory. Uh, on Psalms. David, King David, wrote a lot of the Psalms. He did not write all of them, but he wrote a big portion of them. Psalms 86, uh, David wrote. We don't know at what time of his life he wrote this. Um, it seems like from, as we were reading, as you're going to find out, it seems like he's in trouble. It seems like he's not doing very good. Now, in the beginning of his life before he's king, uh, King Saul decides he kind of wants to get David taken care of. He feels threatened by him. So a lot of, of David's life before being king, he's chased by Saul. And he's running from Saul and trying to hide from him because he wants to kill him. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but it almost seems like he's kind of in one of those positions. I, I don't know that for sure. But he seems like he's in trouble and he's not doing good. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read part of these scriptures and then I'm going to go back and kind of show you what God is, is showing me. And, and I believe that God is going to speak to you as well. And so I just want to start in Psalms 86. We're going to start with verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. And he says, Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need help. So immediately off the bat, David is crying out for help. Verse 2, Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord. For I'm calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, and so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Now, here's what David is doing. He's kind of starting off in this prayer, and he's asking God to do something for him. And he kind of gives this request uh, of, of something he wants God to do. So the first one is, bend down, O Lord, hear my prayer, answer me. And then he kind of gives something he's doing. Hey, because I need your help, right? He asked God to do something for him. Hear me, you know, answer my prayer, protect me, save me, be merciful to me, and give me happiness. He lists these things he's wanting God to do. And then he says, hey, God, I want you to do this because of what I'm doing. He says, I need help. He humbles himself before God. God, protect me, save me. Why? Because I need help. He says, I serve you and trust you and you are my God. I call on you constantly, right? I give myself to you. And then he ends verse, in, in verse five, he ends that kind of that prayer with God, you're good, ready to forgive, full of unfailing love of all who ask for your help. Now, here's the first thing that I see from, from David the first thing is he cries out for help, and then he humbles himself before God. He says, God, I need you. God, I need your help. You have to help me. 
I can't do this on my own. Whatever situation David is in, he knows that he can't do it, he can't accomplish it without God's help. He knows, God, I need you to help me in this situation, and he humbles himself. Listen, we have to do that when we pray. We have to do that when we go to God. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord. That is the absolute first step of Christianity, to say, Jesus, I need you. Right? If you live your whole life thinking that you don't need saving, you live your whole life thinking you don't need help, then you're never going to get any help. Right? But, but the minute you say, God, hey, I need you, I need help. Right? And, and he's, I, I don't think that David, and I'm going to show you this even in more detail here in a minute. I don't think David is saying, well, hey, God, you should help me because I serve you. I think he's reminding himself of that. I think David is reminding himself of, hey, man, God, I need your help. I, I know I need you. I know I serve you. I know I trust you, God. I trust you. I pr I'm praying to you constantly. I'm calling on you. God, I give myself to you. He's reminding himself of that. He's not telling God, well, God, you better get something done because I did this. Because we know God doesn't operate like that. That's not how it works, right? And so he's reminding himself. And here's what I want to encourage you. First and foremost, as you pray, as you go to God, humble yourself. God, I need you, right? Prayer should never be a last resort. Well, hey, everything else failed, so I'll pray. Or one of those things of, hey, try to pray, and if tomorrow nothing happens, we'll do something else. Right, let's pray real quick and see, well, that didn't do anything, so let's move on. Right, humble yourself before God. Give yourself completely to God. God, I love what he says. God, you're good. He says you're ready to forgive. You're full of unfailing love to all who ask for help. Right, those who humble themselves before God, those who say, Jesus, I need you. I need your help, right? He says that to those, God's gonna help you that God's full of forgiveness, he's full of goodness, and he's full of unfailing love for those who cry out to God. Now, we jump down to verse six, and he says, listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. Kind of the same thing. He's still crying out to God. Hey, God, hear me. Hear me. He said, hey, listen close to my prayer, O Lord, and hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. Right? He repeats asking God to hear him. Hey, God, hear me. God, listen. Right? God, listen to what I'm saying. And then he's reminded himself, right? I will call on you whenever I'm in trouble. He's telling himself, man, God, I'm going to call on you when I'm in trouble. You're going to be my first thought, not my last thought. Right? If I don't get answers right away, I'm not jumping to another thing. It doesn't mean that we don't try other things. Hear me. It doesn't mean that you don't go to the doctor, right? It doesn't mean that you maybe don't get some wise counsel on your finances or your marriage or I prayed for my wife and she didn't change, so that didn't work, right? That, that we seek out other things and wise counsel. But he's saying, hey, God, I know that you're going to come through for me. Whenever I call on you when I'm in trouble, I know that you're going to answer me. Listen, he's reminding himself of that. He's reminding himself. He's not telling God something. God's not like, oh, yeah, man, I remember I said that, that I would help you out. I forgot, man, I'm glad he said that because I forgot that. He's reminding himself, man, I know when I call on God, he's going to come through for me. Let's, he, he continues in this fashion. Let's look at uh, verses 8 through 10. He says, no pagan God is like you, O Lord. None can do what you do. 
right? All the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name for you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God, right? He's not telling God something he doesn't know. He, you know, God's not in heaven saying, man, oh man, right. We're not like that God over there. We're not like that pagan God over there. I'm different. What he's doing is reminding himself, One of the things that you have to do and learn to do as a Christian is remind yourself of who God is. Constantly remind yourself of who God is. See, that's why worship is so important because that's what we're doing. We can sing songs, and what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves of who God is. We're reminding ourselves of what God has told us. Right, when we sing that God's gonna bless me, right, for generations and generations and my children's children's children, I'm reminding myself of what the word of God says about me and about God. I'm not singing something to God trying to remind him of who he is because somehow he forgot. I'm reminding myself of who God is. That's why I read my Bible. Why? To constantly remind myself of who God is, what God said, what Jesus did, what Jesus has done, right? Because as I go out into the world, just like we see with David, he's in trouble. We don't know what, we don't know where, what he's running from, what he's doing, but he's not doing good. And so what is he doing? He's reminding God, I know that when I call on you, you're going to answer, right? Because we so easily forget. We forget that God will do that. God will answer a prayer and two days will go by and we'll forget that that even happened. Well, that's great, God, but I got new problems now. All right, I, got, I got new problems. That mountain was a big one, but this one we're looking at now is way, way bigger. This is way worse, Right? And so what do I have to do? I read, my wor- I read the word of God. Why? To remind myself of who God is. I listen to worship music. Why? To remind myself of who God is. To remind myself of what he said. Right? When I sing a song that talks about that the victory belongs to him, right? that the battle belongs to God, then I know, oh man, I'm reminded. I don't have to fight. I don't have to make this happen. I have to pray. Right? I have to call on God. I have to trust in God because he has my back. And that's exactly what we see him doing here. He's not telling God something here, you know, already knows, and he's not trying to suck up. Oh, God, you are this mighty, wonderful God. No one compares to thee. You are amazing. Right? He's not trying to butter God up to get him to do something. He's reminding himself of who God is and what God has done. And we have to do the same thing. We have to constantly remind. I love how he says, there's no pagan God like you. Right? There's no pagan God like you. Think how we have to remind ourselves constantly that the world has nothing to offer. The world has no answers. Our culture has no answers. Our culture gets crazier and crazier and crazier every day. You know, when I was a kid, things that we do now would have been, you'd have been put in an insane asylum back in 2002 for doing some of the things we do today, right? You'd be, you'd be like, you're, you're nuts, right? But now it's just somehow this normal thing we do, and probably everybody here is thinking of something, right? And, and now it's crazy, and we have to remind ourselves, God, there's nobody like you. God, your word is not out of date. Your promises are not out of date. Your way of life is not out of date. Things have not changed Right? The Bible talks about how there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. There's not some new grand idea. All it is is on a repeat cycle. 
right? And I have to remind myself of who God is, what his promises are, that he's never changing, that God knows more than I know, and his way of life is probably the best way of life, right? And so that's what he's doing. God, you know, there's no pagan gods. Nobody can do what you can do. Think about reminding yourself of that daily. Getting up every day and saying, God, I know that nobody can do what you can do. Nobody can do what you can do. You know, we pray on Wednesday mornings. Pastor and I get together and we pray over Ground Zero, Power Kids. We have a list. We pray over church. We pray over you. We pray over your families. Um, we pray over a, a ton of different things. And one of the things that I've always I've always liked to pray before we pray over our service is, God, you do what only you can do. God, you can do more in a moment than I could do in a lifetime, right? God, you do what only you can do. And David is in that same place. He's saying, God, I know that nobody can do what you can do and that all the nations you made will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your holy name, right? You read that and you think, that's stupid. That ain't happening, right? Everybody, uh, if anything, is mocking God. If anything, they're turning away from God, right? But what David is doing is he's reminding himself of what's to come. The Bible says that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. That day is coming, and it's not here yet. It's not here yet, but that day is coming, and I remind myself of what's to come. I remind myself of the goodness of God and that everyone will praise him. He said, for you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. One of the greatest things you can do is remind yourself of what God's done. Remind yourself of what God's done in your life. And a lot of times when we go through tragedy, when we go through loss, when we go through pain, right, it can be very hard to think about what God's done. Because all, generally, all we can focus on is what we've lost, what's happened, the negative. And we can get stuck. And what you have to do is you have to think of something else that God's done. You have to find something else that God's done in your life. Think about what, what has God done for me. Maybe you've gotten a job. Maybe you've gotten married. Right? Maybe, uh, you know, uh, maybe you backtrack all the way to you getting saved. Thank God I'm saved and not going to hell. I thank God that Jesus died for me. If you got to backtrack all the way back to that day, right? And then think about the things that God has done in your life. God, I thank you that you're, you've taken care of me, right? Because what are we doing? We're reminding ourselves of what God has done. We're not reminding God of who he is because he didn't forget. We're reminding ourselves of who God is. Let's look at verses 11 through 12. These are really, really good. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth, Grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. With all my heart, I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever. Now, I love this so much. Can we back up one verse, Jacob, back to uh, verse 11? I love how he says, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. Think about, you know, getting up, Living your life with God, teach me your ways. Teach me to live the way you want me to live, right? That I may live according to your truth, right? Because we've already talked about this. We just, we just talked about the world's crazy. The world's losing its mind. Culture is losing its mind. What matters to our world is crazy, right? And so what I do is I tell God, hey, God, teach me your ways that I may live according to your truth, not our culture's truth, not our world's truth, 
right? But to your truth, that I don't get lost, that I don't lose focus, that I don't lose, uh, lose you know, sight of what matters, of what matters most to God, that I say, focus on that, God, teach me your ways, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart. Grant me purity of heart, right? Uh, another Psalm says, put in me a clean heart, right? D David prays that, put in me a clean heart. Hey, God, grant me purity of heart so that I may honor you. God, give me a pure heart so I can live for you. So I can honor you in everything that I do. I want to honor you and live for you. And then verse 12, he says, with all my heart, I will praise you. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you glory to your name forever. In Ground Zero, we, we spent some time this year talking about worship and what worship is. And, you know, when we all think of worship, we think of singing songs. We think what we just did a second ago, that's worship. And that is, that is worship. But worship is the way I live my life. Right? Worship is the way I live my life. And if I want to live a life that honors God, then I worship God. If I want to live a life that honors me, I worship myself. If I live a life that, you know, is all about my job, I worship my job. Right? And, and everything he's already talked about, everything we've already talked about, you lose focus very quick, you lose sight of what matters, and you start following the wrong things. That's why we're reminding ourselves of who God is. I'm, I'm telling God, hey, put in me you know, a pure heart so that I can live for you, so that I can worship you. One of the things we've been talking about in Ground Zero is that, you know, does this make Jesus happy? And that might seem kind of silly, kind of funny. Back in my day, you know, uh, we had the WWJD bracelets. And so they're still around. And it stood for what would Jesus do? You're supposed to wear that bracelet and then think, man, what would Jesus do? And when a kid, you know, makes fun of you, you look at your bracelet and then you, you don't punch him in the mouth. You turn the other cheek and think, what would Jesus do, right? And it was kind of cool back when it started. I don't know, maybe in the 90s is when it started. And then it quickly kind of turned into a cliche. And I know that you can think that's kind of silly. Oh, well, you know, does this make Jesus happy? But, but think about the simplicity of it. Right? The way I talk to my spouse, would that make Jesus happy? Right? The, way I, the way I treat my kids, would that make Jesus happy? The way I act at work, would that make Jesus happy? If he was my coworker, would he be like, man, you're doing a great job living for me? Or would he be like, bro, we got some work to do? Right? right? Does this make Jesus happy? The way I talk, the way I live, the way I act, would this make Jesus happy? Would my life honor God? And as a kid growing up, I heard that all the time. Man, you want your life to honor God. If you're playing basketball, you give God glory on the basketball court. And I was like, how do I do that? I mean, do I shoot? You know, this is for Jesus. I mean, I, I just, it was so hard to, to, for me to kind of comprehend that. And it was like, God gave me the revelation of, does your attitude on the basketball court make Jesus happy? Does my attitude, do my actions make Jesus happy? And when you really sit down and think about it, you're like, Lord, no, it probably doesn't right? Lord, Lord, no, he's probably very upset with me, right? Then, then we backtrack. And what did David say? He said, grant me purity of heart. Why? So I can do this because I can't do it on my own. What does he start with in verse one, right? Hear me, Lord, because I need help, 
right? I can't do this on my own. I can't live this life on my own. God, I want to honor you. I want to please you. I want to make you happy. I want everything I do to please you and bring you honor and bring you glory. I want my day-to-day life to bring people to Jesus because of the way I act. Not because I carry a Bible or because I pray all the time or because I have a cross or, or, or a bumper sticker that says I love Jesus, right? But because of my personality, because of the way I act, the way I talk, the way I carry myself, because of the light of Jesus Christ on the inside of me, I want people to find you, right? I want everything I do to bring you glory, right? I will give glory to your name forever. He, we're gonna end on verse 13, It says, for your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. I love this so much. There's so much going on here. We know that David's in trouble. A A lot of his young life was spent running from Saul. And even as he became king, he ran into quite a bit of problems. Uh, People were after him and wanted to kill him. And so wherever he's at in his life, he knows, right? He's not saying, I know you will. He is saying that he has already rescued him from the depths of death, right? You've got to remind yourself of who God is so that you can live a life that honors God, so that you can remember and stay focused and keep sight of what matters and not lose sight of that. And then you have to remember constantly that God has rescued you from the depths of death. Right, we talked earlier about being thankful. God, you know, I thank you that you have done this. I thank you that you've rescued me. Father, I thank you that you've given me, you know, personally, you've given me three beautiful daughters, right, that are healthy. Father, I thank you for that. Right, as simple as God, I thank you that I have a house with a roof. Thank you for a car. Thank you for heat and air right? Whatever, whatever it is, God, I'm thankful, right? But then ultimately, God, I'm thank you. I thank you that you rescued me. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. One of the most dangerous things that happens to you as a Christian is Easter, John three sixteen, the death, burial, and resurrection just turns into something that, that we believe. Oh, yeah, 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 Jesus died on the cross. Oh, I know that. I know that. Don't ever forget the power of that. Thousands of people were crucified by the Romans. Only one rose from the dead. Only one. Jesus rose from the dead for you. Right? Pastor always talks about how the nails did not hold Jesus on the cross, but love did. Love held Jesus on the cross. And, you know, Many of you, you know, I got saved when I was very young. I was eight years old and got saved at a vacation Bible school. I got saved at eight years old, and I prayed that prayer, and Jesus moved into my life. But I think, I think on a daily basis, I need saving, right? I need Jesus to help me and rescue me from darkness because darkness is constantly after me. And don't ever forget what God has done for you. Don't ever let yourself forget who God is and that he has rescued you from the depths of hell. Would y'all just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I I wanna just take a minute 
And you, you, you may be like me and you may have been saved for a very long time or, or you know when you got saved. And I just want you to take some time and just think about what God has done. Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself areas of your life where God has come through for you. Think of a time in your life when God has come through, maybe a miracle, maybe an answered prayer, whatever it is, maybe a restored relationship. Just take some time to think about where God has come through for you, the goodness of God and the things God has done for you. And if you're in this place or you're watching online and you think, I, I've, I've never been saved, I've never done that. Right, Romans chapter 10 talks about confess and believe, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. And if you've never done that, I don't wanna leave this place. I don't want you to log off of your computer or phone before you make that decision. And I want you to give your life to Jesus. One of the greatest things you'll ever do is accept Jesus. The Bible says just call upon the Lord and you shall be saved. And all we're gonna do is we're gonna pray a simple prayer. It's called the believer's prayer of just what Romans said. I'm gonna confess and I'm gonna believe. And so I want us to pray this prayer. Everybody in house, I want you to repeat it after me. Those of you that are watching online, uh, if you've prayed it before, I want you to pray it again. If you've never prayed it, if you've never prayed it, I want you to pray it. I want you to pray it and I want you to confess and believe and I want you to receive Jesus. So everybody, let's pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time, I'm super proud of you. If you prayed it for the first time online, I'm very proud of you. We would love to connect with you. Jump in the comments, message us, shoot us an email. We'd love to talk to you further about what just happened in your life.